Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, June the 14th, 2016. And our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored and delighted that you're here to join us once again to share in this conversation about the internal process of self-healing, the Amazing and absolutely breathtaking when you understand it and life-changing work that came from the ancient Aramaic language and the teachings of the man named Yeshua. The man is popularly known as Jesus, but not his name. His name was Yeshua. And in Aramaic, he delivered absolutely the most awesome set of physiological psychological, genetic healing tools that you could, and emotional healing tools that you could possibly imagine. Sadly, when translated into Greek, most of it was lost, and it became a religion. So we're not here with any interest whatsoever in religion. Whatever religion you choose to practice is up to you. You know, there are people who say they're Christians and... I don't know, there's something like 32,000 different sects of Christianity. Muslims, well, you know, if you go to the Middle East, you find the Sunnis killing the Shias and, you know. (laughs) So whatever your religion is, is irrelevant to this work and to the teachings of the man named Yeshua. These are not the teachings about the man named Yeshua. These are the teachings of the man named Yeshua. And how, when you understand the technology to go inside yourself, Remove from your physiology what never belonged there. Your physiology is a device designed to incarnate and embody love. If you're not experiencing that, then your human life in the circumstances where you're not experiencing the active present love, uh, active presence of love, pardon me, has been voided. We're here to support you in reconnecting to and recovering the truth of who you are. This awesome active presence of love designed to fire, to power every cell in your structure and leave you living in ecstasy continuously. So that's what we're here to do. And yesterday we had a busy day and didn't even get to say hello to Dr. Tim. So let's start off and say hello to the young man. Sir, how are you? Well, is the young man mute challenged, or is he not with us today? Of course, I can't see the switchboard. Jeannie, is Tim there? I'm here. He is with us. Oh, good. There he is. How do you be, sir? We missed you yesterday. My apology. Well, I enjoyed the show, and uh, I had the thought at the end when you said you offered for the person to call back on next Monday to finish that or to go back to that. I thought... Well, why aren't we doing it tomorrow, since it was such a vibrant topic? So that was good. I enjoyed the show, and uh, it's absolutely uh, a joy at times to just sit and relax and listen to the lessons again and again. 
So I'm doing well, and I enjoyed the show, and I am looking forward to another group tonight of charming people. I was thinking somebody gave me a Krishnamurti DVD, and uh, I was watching it, and I had the thought driving into work, I wonder how much, how many brain cells I would have to build in people before I could successfully present this Krishnamurti DVD and not have a mutiny in the group. <laughs> because his work is um, very deep diving and very slow-paced. Um, and essentially, it's the same work. It's just... It's like when, when you go into a, an impassioned plea about people doing their work all the way to the depth of their genetic material and removing everything out of the last 40 or 50 generations and billions of lives that is less than love, well, that's that's every single talk from Krishnamurti. And, of course, he he's not very entertaining. <laughs> he's challenging, and he's, uh, he's confronting people's false beliefs and, and uh, constructed systems of thought that that lead to all of the garbage that's less than love. So, so my offering for the day is that it is a blessing. I had a, a two more sessions today where one-on-one -on -one with people, we were able to start looking at what do we do with wanting to blame others for our upset. And in the second session today, somebody came up with, yeah, but, you know, what's really got me going is this horror that happened in Florida, and that's really got me upset. And I'm really, I can, she was going on saying, now I can think about what you're saying for my upset and my little things in my, but I can't apply that to a Hitler or to the guy in Orlando who did the shooting. And it's just not the same for that. And... My work was to help this person see that if this is actually how the world works, if I'm actually using my thoughts to create my upset, if what I choose to focus my thoughts on in each moment literally creates my experience of life, it, that holds true whether I'm talking about being upset about they gave me vanilla ice cream when I ordered chocolate or whether I think I'm upset because somebody shot a bunch of people that didn't deserve to be shot, etc. It's the same process. Whether it's in reference to a spilt cup of coffee or a genocide, the fundamental process is the same. And and I got some pushback, as you might imagine. And I said, okay, so let me ask you, in your life, have you ever felt murderous rage? And there was a gleam in this person's eye. And they got in touch with it. Right? Because not too long ago, they'd wanted to punch somebody in the face or wipe somebody out so they didn't have to ever deal with them again. And I said, so here you are feeling sad and frustrated, and you think it's about what this person did in Orlando. And one of our, my observations is, I will never be upset about anything anybody else ever says or does or doesn't do that I think they should unless I'm still judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar thing. So if I have upset come up in me and it's triggered by news of some outside horror, I should go inside myself and remove my negative judgments against myself for my murderous rage, for my wanting to punch somebody in the face, for my acting out of anger or fear rather than out of love and compassion. And when I do that, I've taken control of the really the only thing that I have control of, which is my creative process for my reality in the moment, and that has the most positive ripple effect 
that I have access to in each moment. So that's my offering for today. That's what I've been working on with people. Let's see what brain cells that stirs up in you. Well, interestingly enough, this morning, a couple things. Uh, I, I did a two-hour radio show with a group called The Love Connection this morning, and several of their members are in Chicago. So, so hopefully you may be hearing from some of them. I gave out your information for them to connect with uh, with the support group. I've been doing this radio show now. I don't know who does a radio show at 7 o'clock in the morning, but it's 7 till 9 o'clock. And... Uh, so I did that, but also, of course, that was part of the conversation, and I spoke of, and, and you mentioned the ripple effect, I spoke of the fact that being, the fact that we are energy beings, that the energies that we hold are continuously communicating. If we listen to the physicists, they say that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. And if what I'm communicating energetically, which means I'm sending out a high-energy wave, my upset, that energy impacts anyone and everyone on the planet who has the same upset. It adds energy to everyone's upset. So when I have a high energy wave that leaves my mind when I think a thought, the only place that energy is absorbed, I was going to say stopped, but it can't be stopped. It, it will go throughout the universe. But it is absorbed through resonance by another set of brain cells that is in resonance with it. And I use the example, which I'm sure you've heard me use before, but it fits so perfectly here, of, you know, one of the, the big thing that people, you know, this is a pretty upsetting thing, but something that I think even gets people more enraged and upset, brings up more disturbance for them, is, for instance, the sexual abuse of a child. And I use the example of, let's imagine that, you know, there's somebody who's in, you know, somewhere on the other side of the planet, in Australia or somewhere, and 10 generations ago, this person's ancestor engaged in the sexual abuse of a child or was sexually abused. But it's so far locked down in their generations that they would never think about doing sexual abuse to a child. But here we have a sexual abuse case that gets sensationalized, sells millions of dollars worth of newspapers. Everybody's enraged about it. And, of course, what does the, uh, what does the average person on the street want to do to the sexual abuser, abuse them? And so aroused by this event, the same as with Orlando, is all of this rage about sexual abuse. Because there's nothing on the planet that can stop that frequency when that energy moves enough us movement creates an energy wave and i use the example of you know imagine you're standing underwater and spinning a plate uh, a pail of water around as you spin that pail of water by its motion it sets up an underwater wave that goes out in 360 degrees everything that moves in us radiates out from us 360 degrees and the only place that energy lands is where there is a frequency that matches it. So here's this guy on the other side of the planet who would never consider sexual abuse but has a, an ancestor 10 generations ago who was a sexual abuser, and all of a sudden that resonance resonates that genetic frequency held in that guy, and he has no idea why he has this overwhelming urge to sexually abuse a child and may fall prey to that if the energy's strong enough. And that's the real reason why we're inviting people, or at least that's one of the major reasons why we're inviting people to become conscious, to become aware of the energies around them and the influences that resonate things that perhaps aren't even their own. They're generational patterns. And instead of unconsciously playing out those patterns, if you allow them to surface if there's rage surfacing in anybody, if there's sadness, if there's grief about what just happened in Orlando. And, of course, we, we open our hearts and hold a space of love for everybody involved in that situation, including the perpetrator and the people, if any, that he's connected to. 
I personally find a little difficult to believe that in the middle of shooting a bunch of people, somebody calls 911 and says, I'm an ISIS guy. I find that difficult to believe. But, you know, but it serves purposes for somebody. And it may be true, but I don't believe it. But anyway, you know, we hold the space for him as well, even though he's not in his body anymore, to heal because he is an energy being that goes on and carries with him whatever's held in him. Only hurting and abused people hurt and abuse people. What has to be going on in a man to do that sort of thing? It's got to be horrendous, horrendous pain. Can I be the space of love? Can you be? Can we each be the space of love that literally transmutes that energy on the planet? What we need, and, you know, Yeshua 2,000 years ago said, a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. And, of course, my favorite tongue-in-cheek line there is, obviously he wasn't talking about bread. He was talking about humanity. Can we train enough people up who will do their work at a deep enough level that an atrocity that's about to happen energetically, those people can attune to, capture the energy, bring love to the presence of it, and dissolve it before it ever happens. That's the real challenge. Because once the cat is out of the bag and it's happened and everybody goes raging and everybody goes, oh, well, we're going to go kill somebody else, that energy just increases and guarantees more killing. There's only one thing that will stop the killing. And that's when those who have so much pain that they would reach out and kill are exposed so deeply to the active presence of love that their pain is transmuted and they are freed of it. And they begin to function once again as human beings. So that's what this work is about. If, if you're new to the show, if, if this is a new thought system for you, that's where we're heading. We're looking to create elders on the planet. Of course, elders got nothing to do with age. Could be a 15-year-old that's doing it that is so powerfully connected to the truth of who they are. And if, if you don't know the truth of who you are, just think about holding a newborn child. And if you hold that newborn child, you'll have an experience of who you are. Can you incarnate that so fully that whatever happens in your world, you are that space? That's what's going to heal the planet. Making war and killing the bad guys is never going to do it. That's a total fraud. Kings love that. It makes billions of dollars for all kinds of people. You know, if you look at some of the latest reports out of the Pentagon, they're missing $8.6 trillion over the last 20 or so years. Totally $8.6 trillion, That's with the T gone. Somebody's benefiting from this baloney called war. And you'll notice that it's not the grunt that gets sent over there to die. It's time for us to put an end to that insanity. And the only way we're going to do it is by doing the inner work of freeing ourselves of the hostility and fear and pain-based mind and being restored to the presence of love. That's what we're here to support everybody in doing. And I applaud and acknowledge everybody who's got the courage to face that kind of stuff inside themselves and bring it forward for healing. But that's the only thing that's going to heal the planet. So any other thoughts in that regard, Tim, before we see if Julie's with us today? I would just agree and and want to hear if, if Julie's here or anybody else has calls. Let's go for it. And Gee. Julie from Pahrump is with us. So, uh, Julie, awesome. you're on. Young lady, I apologize for uh, us getting caught off yes, cut off yesterday, and I'm glad you're back. Hold on a minute here. Let me get you off speakerphone. Uh, okay. Okay, there we go. That's better. Much better. Um, yeah, and hi again. And Dr. Tim, I did call back today. <laughs> so, um, wow, I watched the video. Did a lot of thinking, did a couple of worksheets. Um, just reiterating what we said yesterday, um, the assault and, and getting counseling on it opened up Pandora's box to a lot of things that were in my life that you don't think too much about. You know, you just mosey on through life. Now I'm having to address them, and it has gotten overwhelming uh, to the point where 
sometimes I look at a worksheet and I'm like, where do I start? Which incident do I start with? And um, I have found myself crying a lot ever since, you know, we had that talk and, and you warned me that this could really come down on me, you know, quickly, some of it. And it has, but I haven't been able to deal with it. So that's just kind of a synopsis, I guess, of what I said again yesterday. And um, read me. <laughs> Help me. Show me what to do on a worksheet and where do I start. And where we well, left off yesterday was um, that you had mentioned that uh, the assault had become the symbol in your mind that you had attached all the energy to and that it was like an octopus with tentacles. And that's actually where we left yeah. off. What a great analogy. Yes, very much so, Jeannie. Thank you. It is. Um, and that is true. That That is where this all started is when I put myself into counseling over this um, assault and and then everything opened up. So. Well, first of all, I acknowledge your courage and... I want to start out my remarks with a quote from Carl Jung, uh, an analyst that took a totally different path than um, than the, the standard lay somebody in the couch for 25 years and see if you can find the deep, dark thing that happened to them. And Carl Jung says this, and, you know, when you mention, and that's what triggered me to going to find this quote, when you mentioned that I had said to you, well, you know, it may open some things up, so... And it's stuff that you, quote, unquote, rarely or never think about or perhaps try not to think about. So here's what Young says, Mm -hmm. a couple of things. First, he says, there is no coming to consciousness without pain. And Mm -hmm. I'd I'd offer without, without accessing your memories of pain. It is not accessing pain. It's accessing your memories of pain. There's a big difference. And then he says, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own soul. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of life, light, but by making, pardon me, but by making the darkness conscious. So you've opened up your own Pandora's box and you're allowing yourself those things that you've never accessed to come forward and bring the darkness to the light. We had one young man who, who worked with a Jungian group in, uh, in South Florida a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He said, God, Michael, this work is like, like shadow work on steroids. A lot of Jung's uh, work is called shadow work, looking at the dark side. He said, this is, this is shadow work on steroids, and it is, because this genius who showed us how to access that darkness, those things that most people and, and for many generations have been hidden, it's pretty heavy-duty stuff to go in and begin to deal with. Now, on the side of, again, uh, for people who are new to the show, uh, just to, to offer a couple of other thoughts from Young while I'm there in, his, in the file I have on his quotes, is to realize that one of the things, one of the reasons why you want to do that work, he addresses in a single, actually he has two sentences that say it very well. He says, whatever is rejected from the self appears in the world as an event. Now that's a perfect match for the ancient Aramaic scriptures that say, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life. And the heart is simply the unconscious. Be careful with your stuff down there and you don't want to live with because that's going to set up the events. And the events you set up, you will face a mirror image over and over and over again. And what happens is when there's something we don't want to deal with, the universe kind of gives us a little tap on the shoulder and says, hey, look at this. And if we go, I'm not looking, then the universe taps a little harder. I'm not looking, taps a little harder, and ultimately it becomes the cosmic two-by-four. So here's the way that Carl Jung addresses that. He says, we meet ourselves time and again in a thousand disguises on the path of life. Hmm. And so I want to acknowledge you for Tapping in, I want to acknowledge Dr. Andraki and uh, his lovely bride, Claudia, mm. for introducing you to the work and supporting you in the work and your courage to say, okay, I'm going for it. Because a lot of people would take that event that you're dealing with, 
which you've shared, so we're not telling anything out of school, was a rape that happened several years ago. And literally, this number of years later, have done everything they can do to keep it to keep it in the dissociated mind, to keep it hidden, and would probably be halfway drugged out of their minds. And interestingly enough, if you look at virtually every mass shooting, cancel the thoughts, got nothing to do with you here, every mass shooting that's happened, these school kids and such, they're all on psychotropic drugs. They're on chemicals that keep these things locked down until life comes and taps and taps and taps and the stress becomes so overwhelming that they do a bizarre behavior like what happened in Orlando. So, so I, I'm, I'm with you in, you know, taking the pressure cooker lid off, opening, you know, the steam valve and letting the steam come out. And yes, it looks like overwhelm as it starts. So the place to start with your worksheets is what are the, you know, you don't have to go looking. You you may actually in your healing process, you may never think again or say another word about the fact that you were raped. That may never come up again. Mm -hmm. What you do, what you do is you walk through life today committed to function with and as the active presence of love. And then if your neighbor says something that brings up some sort of irritation, you stop and you go, so I have irritation and my mind tells me it's about what my neighbor did. But the truth is this is an irritation that I know that I realize I need to deal with. So I'm going to sit down and look at the goal I had for my neighbor Gee, you know, I wanted them to take care of my roses when I was away last week and they let them die. And boy, I'm really angry about that, says the non-being mind. The mind of being says, gee, my roses are dead, I'm home, my neighbor didn't take care of them the way they promised to, to, and I realize that my anger that appears to be about the roses was triggered into activity by the death of the roses. And so I'm going to look at the goal I had. The goal was for my neighbor. Now, there's several different approaches I could take or worksheets I could do on this. One might be that I'm going to, if, if what comes to mind is my neighbor was out of integrity with their word, then I would do a worksheet on integrity of wanting my neighbor to have integrity. And I do a worksheet on wanting my neighbor to keep their word. Or what may come up is, you know, I've seen that neighbor for a long time and they've always appeared lazy and they were just, you know, he even said, well, I just couldn't be bothered doing it. So now where my aberrant content is, is in my file on lazy. So my goal that will help me clean out my painful content in my mind's file on lazy is for my neighbor to have enough energy to keep their word. So around just something as simple as that, that situation can give me the opportunity to look at the content in many different files in my mind. And it might be, you know, that when, you know, the neighbor didn't take care of the flowers, I just felt like, you know, the neighbor didn't care. And so now my painful content, I realize, is on my, in my file on being cared for. So I'd be doing a worksheet where my goal is I want my neighbor to care enough for me to follow through. Oh, now that might be a worksheet on following through. Maybe my painful content is on my file and following through. And what happens as you refine your skill at doing this by doing the work is you're more and more able to decode. You've heard me speak about before. One of the skills we're inviting people to do is to develop a skill that you know, most of humanity that's ever lived has never even conceived as possible, and that is the skill of being able to enter consciously into every nook and cranny of your mind, your genetics, and your emotions, decode the information that's there, and forgive, remove what never belonged. So that might be where my worksheet process might start. And I may never go back to what I think is the causative event at all, So I walk through life today as love, and gee, my spouse comes in, 
and they go over and sit down and just turn on the TV and don't even come and give me a kiss. Oh, so now I've got something in my file on being cared for by my spouse. So I look at my goals around being cared for. And I maybe have something in my file on being kissed. And, you know, my spouse didn't come and give me a kiss. So there would be the place to start. What are the things that are going on that arouse you? And, of course, this, this uh, event in Orlando, this whole insanity. So that might be, you know, gee, how could a guy not care enough for people? So that would be a worksheet on me doing my work around people caring for each other. It might mm-hmm. be around the viciousness of someone who would do such a thing. So that would be my worksheet mm-hmm. around my goal for people to be loving, gentle, and respectful with each other. Mm-hmm. So does that does um, that kind of make sense as to where to start? And, you know, it's kind of the um, old story of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You can't take on your whole unconscious in one shot. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, in the worksheets that I've been doing over the past months and everything else, I've, I've discovered this pattern that you're talking about. And, and mine is, is being believed. I, I can't express how many times people have called me a year later and said, I'm sorry. And, and it's, you know, apologizing to me because, yes, I did have nice furniture that was being moved up north to Canada when I moved there, things like that. And, and that is, I remember... Right? the feelings I had because people weren't believing me. Um, I did a worksheet past Friday at class. I call it class (laughs) because I'm always learning. Um, And, and I had received a bill that had been paid and I called them to tell them that, but they didn't want to believe me. And it ended up with me being upset and I shouldn't have been, I should have just. No, you should have been upset. Scheduled a phone call. Yeah, I shouldn't have been. But no, let's whoa, just reschedule Wait a minute. Yeah. When you say I shouldn't have been upset, what you're saying is what was going on inside of you was not appropriate, and I should have hidden that for myself so I could have been nice. I offer you should have been upset. And the reason for that is because when that upset comes forward, you go, oh, here's another piece of my darkness. I'm going to let this come forward. Thank you for showing my work. It's about not being believed. Now, let me think. Do you remember, Julie, the first time that somebody didn't believe you? Yes. Tell us about it. Hold on. That's it. Breathe. I'm here. Um, I was five years old, and I fell down and hurt myself, and my father didn't believe me, and I still to this day don't know why. He was upset Uh with me, and I had hurt my knee, Mm -hmm. and this was something I had discussed in counseling, and I remember it so vividly. Yes. So then I would be doing some worksheets on I wanted to understand my dad, I wanted my dad to help me. I wanted my dad to take care of me. Of course, I wanted my dad to believe me. And then you could switch roles and imagine that your dad and imagine yourself at five coming to to him and saying, I'm in tears, I've hurt myself, and just do a worksheet for him as him on you coming to him with that news and him not believing you. And as you do a worksheet as though you were him, you may get some very deep insight into what really happened at five. And I can hear in your voice that there's still a lot of pain about that. So that's what you're going to process through. And that energy is held in you literally becomes the energy, you know, I don't get, I'm not believed and I get hurt. It's, you know, I'm continuously on an, on an unconscious level reading the message to the world of, hey, is, is there anybody in town who, when I tell them something, won't believe me? Could you come over to my house and visit? 
and that resonance because mm-hmm. you see that original hurt and who knows that that may be to be at the depth where you're still now many decades later in almost in tears about it that hurt may be a genetic hurt that goes back many generations and so instead of sending that message out and continuing to draw people in who won't believe you you can go inside and drop in and clean that energy out so that there is no amplitude left to that message of not being heard. And you transmute, that is, change the quality of the energy around that experience and free yourself from it. And, and see, that's called forgiveness. this is the Pandora's box. Yes. Okay. That's it exactly. And, and this is the Pandora's and, box, or as Jeannie said, it's that octopus and all those tentacles going down, and it just opened up all of this. So what I've been doing since I've been trying to release a lot of this and get some of it off my shoulders so I can, you know, really dig into my work more, I've just been crying all the time. Mm. You know, and it's it sounds like, like your body's, Yeah, your body's got a lot of grief. Well, you know, in, in a five-year-old's mind, what you may be mourning is what the five-year-old perceived yes. as the death of her relationship with her father. And that's a big loss for a five-year-old. Oh, yeah, very much so. You know, and I never realized five, how big yeah, a loss. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that's, that's so big. And, you know, I mean, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, you didn't lose your relationship with your father. But in the five-year-old's mind, interpreting that as, you know, gee, I've been accepted and nurtured and nourished and a smile for my dad, and all of a sudden I'm disapproved of and rejected and not believed, my relationship with my father's over. And that, that thought would carry a huge amount of emotional pain with it. And as you approach it but and forgive it. And, and it something that you said, Michael, and I apologize for interrupting. It wasn't long after that my father died. Mm, wow. We're talking within a couple of months of that incident, my father died. Really? When I was five so years then, old. Oh, yeah. What, what happened to him? How did he die? Massive heart attack at 48 years old. Mm. Wow. And, you know, in those so, days it took two and a half hours to get to Carson City on a dirt road, so they didn't have the medical, you know, that they have nowadays, but nonetheless, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I was all cool with it until Pandora's box opened, and oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not right. I mean, how does a five-year-old handle that one? I'm how does a 62-year-old handle that one? And yeah. the, the interesting thing with all of this in this class, the support group and Dr. Andraki and everybody, all of us help each other, and it's wonderful. Yeah. I will not – I have an addiction, and that's Friday night's class. And mm. I am so bound and determined to get through this, but the pain is really rough. I hear you. But I will not Well, two up. things. I will yeah. not give up. Two things is – Notice how committed you are to giving up. Okay. Remember, your speech is your creative process. I don't process. see it. Well, but just so because I say my, I don't give up, or I won't give up, doesn't mean I want to give up. Yeah. I I, so, I can't. I have to kind of disagree there because what's deep inside of me is not to give up. Yeah. So, are you open to some coaching on that? Certainly. Go ahead. By, by all means. So Shakespeare informs us, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, let, let's imagine that um, I've got an airplane ticket to China tomorrow. Would I call you and say, oh, by the way, Julie, I'm not going to Argentina tomorrow. Why would I say to you, I'm not going to Argentina tomorrow. Somewhere in brain cells had to be something about Argentina going on, or I wouldn't have, I mean, I wouldn't have conceived of saying anything about Argentina when I'm going to China. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that when, where there's denial, I will use words of denial, but my, my, the body of my denial will still come into play. So let me just throw out a possibility here. 
Maybe at the age of five, the child, so rejected by dad, gave up. And maybe there's a file in there on giving up that needs to be cleaned out. Because if you were truly, you know, if there wasn't a part of your mind that was out of agreement with doing your work, you would simply say, man, I'm committed. I'm going to work through this one because the commitment's about working through it. That's what it's all about. But the hidden part of the mind, the unconscious part of the mind, comes out in the words with the word don't in front of it. Oh, I'm not going to do that. And that's exactly what's got the bulk of the energy. That's why I'm speaking out of those brain cells. So if you watch your language, if you just observe your language, it'll always tell you about the hidden parts of your mind. And I suspect if you do some worksheets around it, you're going to find that there's a part of you at some point in your life that gave up, and that part's still playing under the surface. Does that make sense? Even though you're not in touch with it on any conscious Mm -hmm. level at all. Well, it does make sense because, you know, throughout life there's things I have given up on and everything. But I'm learning a new language here. We all are. Whenever we come yeah, into yeah, the, mm-hmm. the scenario, we're learning a new language. So in my yeah. mind, I'm not giving up and I, I'm, I'm not wanting to give up and I won't give up, etc. It's just learning how to say it correctly. Um, Claudia, Doc's wife, she caught me a couple of times, you know, saying something. And I'm like, oh, okay, wait a minute. And then I had to rephrase it and retrain myself. So I understand what you're saying and I agree with it, but I'm going to have to disagree with the fact that I really want to continue taking this course and getting through all of this and, you you know, enjoying myself. Yeah. See, and it's sometimes I think it's a matter of just relearning the language, but is it always necessary, necessarily the thought? you know, the feeling that's down there that you're mentioning, or is it just a matter of, hey, I'm a babe in the woods just learning this? Yeah. Well, the, the, the point here is I'm not interested in teaching you a new language. What I'm interested in is, well, in a sense I am, but not in the sense you're talking about. What I'm here to support you in is looking at every unconscious part of your mind and becoming conscious of it. It's not about changing the language. It's about I always speak out of what's vibrating, what's firing in my mind. And when I notice that, now there's a part of your mind that's obviously very committed to your work. I'm just offering that when you say, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give this up, what's resonating somewhere in brain cells is giving up. And as you let yourself address that, you'll throw that out. And then you'll be, you know, Yeshua talked about a house divided against itself and how it couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. That's how we divide mm-hmm. against ourselves. And if we watch our language, you know, when my first response is, well, I don't want to do that, I go, oh, what part of my mind's involved in that? Rather than, oh, I should learn new words to say that properly. It's all proper. You said it perfectly. And it reflects the unconscious part of the mind, the hidden part of the mind, that is just another issue to just work through. When you're mm-hmm. 100% consistent with yourself, your automatic speech, you won't have to fix it. You won't have to change it. You won't have to think about it. Your automatic speech will be, man, I am so committed to this. I'm on it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That'd be my offer. Thank you, just, you. I understand what you're maybe, saying. Say again? I said thank you. I understand what you're saying. Cool. Awesome. My other so, piece of feedback would yeah, be no, when, you say you, when you say you have an addiction – uh, to the Friday night class. I, I'd like to offer you the, the, the definition of addiction in this work. Addiction is mm-hmm. the compulsive use, the compulsive use of any person, place, circumstance, substance, or activity to keep from hearing and following my highest guidance or to keep from feeling what's real in me, dealing with it and communicating about it. So I'd offer you Friday night isn't an addiction. It's part of your commitment because <laughs> you're not using it to avoid anything. You, you you can tell the difference with an addiction when it's like, well, you know, I just had this frustrating thing come up and, um, oh, I think I'll go get a candy bar. I think I'll go have a shot of scotch. That's when it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to deal with this. So, so I'd offer that's your commitment and you're on it and, and right on, but it's certainly not an addiction. 
or an addiction always has its going away. No, no, no apology needed. No apology needed. You're well, not addicted to that for sure. <laughs> it's just my way of of playing and 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 you know my sense of humor. And yeah, so cool. I I don't talk the English language properly, and hence you know there's misunderstanding, obviously. So I I apologize because the class is a wonderful class. It is. The work they're doing out there is awesome. It's so fabulous that so many people around the globe have picked up the work and are are supporting people, other people, in having it and working with it and moving through things. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. It's uh, kind of like, you know, my child is growing to maturity and it's so awesome to watch them grow and watch it happen and just watching it move around the globe is pretty pretty fabulous from where I sit. You know, like we were talking on the show the other day, and, Dr. Tim and I, and I go back when he first started and when I go back to when I first started and, and started to put these ideas out, people would look at us cross-eyed like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? And now it's becoming common parlance. It's in the language. It's in the culture. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and you know, cool. in the beginning, I, 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 I understood everything, you know, I was learning and I was grasping it. And then I kind of gone through a lull and I think that's when all this kind of hit me hard, you know, the Pandora's box. And then I feel like I backtracked, backtracked a little, but then going forward more, you know, I can do that, the ladder thing, you know, up two, down one, up three, down a half, you know. Yes, right. And so in, in this whole process of learning. And so it's fascinating. And again, um, I'm very fascinated by the generational, but I'm trying to not only learn that, but I'm just trying to get enough off of me right now that I feel a little bit um, lighter inside. Right. I hear you loud and clear. And we'll be supporting you that in the intensive this summer. You will reach a level of process. You know, when we're doing total fresh and raw food and you're in that environment with people who are doing the work, you will reach levels mm-hmm. of process that are just mind-boggling in that. So, so I look forward to supporting you in person when, uh, when you get there. And I suspect that Thank you. this lull and this overwhelm is that you've reached – a level of understanding of the tools that you've been able to open your mind in new ways that have never been seen in your generations. And so energies that have never been looked at are starting to surface. And that's a, a very mm-hmm. normal step in the process for that to happen. So you're right on track and we're honored and delighted that you're here to have the conversation and, and to, to ask the questions because it's the question of everybody who's listening to the show pretty much is getting clarity on those mm-hmm. things. So thank you for being willing to step out there and uh, and keep moving forward and keep calling in and keep sharing what's happening so that we can support you. And supporting you supports everybody who's listening to the show and everybody who will ever listen to the show. Thank you very much. Thank and I, I appreciate the direction that you're all giving me as well as um, the support. So thank you. Delighted. Delighted and honored. May I add so, a piece? Please do. I was just going to say, so Dr. Tim, do you have any thoughts to add to the, to the conversation? So thank you. Well, well, one of the, the things that happens is, and, and this is a, a, a wonderful example that I, I often tell people, it's important to understand what we mean by trauma. And people who have studied trauma some of them have come up with the agreement through um, observation and research that trauma is uniquely specific to the individual. We can send hundreds of people out to war and come back and only a small percentage of them have post-traumatic stress, and yet all of them were in the same platoon, et cetera. So how is it that some person downloads something from their interactions with the environment that's traumatic and some people don't? And I use the example this way. I say, listen, their 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 definition for trauma is uniquely specific to the person if i have an event happen in my life and as a result of going through that event i feel that i'm required to change my belief system about my life myself my role in the world the primary people in my life whether or not the world is safe etc 
then by definition, that was a traumatic event for me. So here are two identical twins. Mm-hmm. They're five years old, John and Jim. They go to kindergarten. They come home. They get in the door. They see a plate of Oreos on the kitchen table. And Johnny says, Mom, can I have an Oreo? And she says, well, you know the routine. First go upstairs, unpack your backpack, wash your hands, then you come down, and then you can have an Oreo. Johnny is thrilled because Johnny knows every moment of his five years of life, his mother has been honest with him. So he knows in his heart of hearts he's going to go do his chores, come back, and that cookie's going to be on that plate. And his world view is intact. He goes upstairs with Mm -hmm. Jimmy by his side. They do their work. They come down. In the interim, their teenage siblings came through and ate every cookie on the plate. Johnny comes down, looks at the plate, and now he knows the world is not the same. My mother lied to me. He now has had a traumatic event. His twin brother Jimmy, next to him, sees the empty plate of cookies and says, Oh, Mom, they ate the cookies. Can I have that taffy apple? He breezes right through what was a life-altering traumatic event for Johnny. So Mm -hmm. in that situation, 62 years old, Johnny is dealing with something that makes him feel life isn't safe, primary people in his life are lying to him, and he's at risk whether it's a business deal or a personal relationship, and he goes into overwhelm, he goes into anger, he goes into shock, he goes into shutdown, unless someone can help him face the terror and pain that that he downloaded when he was five years old, when he didn't have any resources like the ones he has now that he's 62, Unless mm-hmm. someone can support him through that most painful of processes, he may never be willing to look there, regardless of the tools he's presented with. Mm-hmm. The tool of the worksheet may help you. And it may also introduce you to parts of yourself that seem so fearful, painful, and overwhelming, like the five-year-old part of you who felt traumatized by your father not believing you, and then perhaps was so shut down from that trauma that you wouldn't even let yourself experience the trauma of him dying. And you might be sitting on the planet at 62 years old feeling the only way for me to make it to 63 is to continue to deny the pain of the trauma when I was five. And that's why it might benefit you to work with someone who is specifically trained in working through trauma and powerful tools like the ones that we have in this work and some of the other specific trauma reduction techniques that help people unload and unpack the traumatic energies that they've downloaded from past traumas while maintaining your awareness of your true nature as the energy of love and as your your physical presence, your physical energetic presence as a 62-year-old. Mm-hmm. You might benefit Got from it. personal support from somebody who's specifically trained in that kind of work. I've been receiving additional uh, support, but I'm not sure if the training is specific enough. And I've actually questioned that. Um, I question whether or not I'm getting that to even deal with the assault. And I took a step last night and I called the Rape Crisis Center, even though it's been years now, and I talked to them about that. And they gave me some leads of some people who are specific to that type of trauma as well. So I have you know, moved forward with doing some of that already. Okay. And there are there are techniques such as developmental needs meeting strategies and traumatic incident reduction and EMDR and coherence therapy work, specific techniques for helping people with the, the rapid resolution of the effects of past trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, EMDR is one that um, who I see now, um, she's just started to use it, you know, and so she's been wanting to, and I resisted it because I wasn't comprehending it well. Um, and that's something that, you know, I need to, you know, rediscuss and, and get there because I'm further down the line now in understanding a lot of what has been happening and bringing it forth. So, um, well, let me, let me echo something that Michael said to another Julie not too long ago on this very show, and that is if you're dealing with somebody who's just learning a technique, you might mm-hmm. want to let them practice on somebody else, especially if you have some rather significant issues you're trying to resolve that go deep. Yeah. Because um, what I'm recommending is that someone that you work with somebody who has specific training and experience for dealing with the resolution of the effects of past trauma who's also been trained in one or more specific techniques to facilitate that work. And I'll add into the conversation that in the intensive, one of the things that you're going to be doing introduced to is still point breathing, which is an awesomely powerful way to open those energies and move through them extremely rapidly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, and, you know, I'm going to say it this way. I am committed to working, doing all of this work. Um, I, I'm just looking for a little bit of extra. Can we get a little bit of this load off of me um, so I can, you know, open up to it even more? You know, I guess that would be what the vitality is that you talk about. As you as you increase your vitality level, you'll be able to access deeper and deeper layers. And, you know, if you go back into and read the book of Job, the book of Job is basically a story of Job going through his trauma reduction process, his healing process. And mm-hmm. you, get a, you can get a sense of how intense, and, and I understand the intensity of what you're going through, having been there myself, you, you get a sense of the intensity of Job's process work when he asks God for an intermission. And if you go back and read that book, what you'll find is he said, you know, things he was in such overwhelm, there's so much energy moving, and it was so difficult for him to process. He said, God, just give me time to swallow my saliva. Mm-hmm. That's how intense it, that's how intense it can become. And, you know, once you open the floodgates, Things are going to move, and that's just a part of the process. If people are going to go into that self-healing mode, then there's going to be that kind of intensity. Tim, do you have any other specific uh, suggestions for that level of overwhelm and intensity aside from uh, more professional support? Well, just, you know, the only thing that I missed in what I was saying is if you can combine those things that I already said with somebody who knows these tools, I think it's, Mm-hmm. All that all that's required then is your willingness, and you'll you'll start moving through things faster than you imagined possible. My willingness has been there. I've been seeking counsel for several years after um, the assault, um, and and I have to say this: if it wasn't for this work that you do, Michael, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I can only say thank you. I understand, and because you absolutely have my support. That's what we're here me. to do. Can I add one thing? Please, Jeannie, sure. yes. We've we got about a minute I left. Ju- I think, Julie, you just mentioned a really good point to stay focused on instead of the chaos and, and the overwhelm and everything, is that you said that without this work that, you know, basically you'd be lost. So consider where you are now based on the work you've already done and how much further along you are than you would have been without it. So instead of comparing the whole uh, immenseness of of the work that needs to be done, look at what you have done already and how far you've already come and, and realize that you are moving forward. Oh, I am, I'm very much aware of that. And and um, I guess that's what I mean in you know in the language I was talking before is Friday night I really look forward to because I learn something every Friday night every day that I listen to the radio show I learn something new 
I've managed to trim it down to finding Yay. out about believing Yay. me. And so I'm seeing patterns and I'm seeing all this. So not only is it helping me to become healthier. The show's going to cut off in two seconds. Goodbye. The show's going to the show's going to cut us off, unfortunately. Our time's out. So we'll hold the space. And if the conversation's to continue tomorrow, you know how to call us. We'll look forward to it. Blessings. Okay. Thank you. Bye.